All right. So I got Connor from uh, Vis Mystica, and I've got some questions for him. Yo, yo. So how does marketing and being in a band go hand in hand? So when you first get into a band, you know, the ideal thing that you want to do is get out on the road, you know, make music, play shows, make money, drink beer. Uh, I don't know. Get with lots of hot chicks. Uh, apart from drinking beer, that's just not something that happens. Um, but I, the cold hard truth of all of that is that what you want is to be able to be self-sufficient without having to rely on a marketing team or a label necessarily until you've really hit a point where you're massively, you know, you have so much business that you can't control it all on your own. Um, so what you'll want to do is have the confidence in yourself to be able to go up to brands and, you know, use common sense. If you've got 400 likes on your Facebook page and you've released a single that has 50 listens on Spotify, you know, obviously Seymour Duncan isn't one, isn't going to want to get a hold of you and be like, Oh yeah, represent us, man. But you yeah. know, if, if you're in a position where your band is a couple thousand likes, you're doing 40, 50 shows a year, you know, you have a record or two out, you have things you can send in an electronic press kit, get a hold of it, man. What's the worst thing they can say? No, no, I've, I've gotten that a few times. But I mean, the thing is you have to have the confidence in yourself without coming across as arrogant to just be able to tell these brands that you have a service that you can offer them and make it, you know, a good coexistence, have a, have a good, you know, codependency on one another. They can supply you with the products. You can display those products. And at the same time, that helps you further your own career. That helps you play more shows. That helps you get more exposure. That helps you get money to get the record going. That helps you make more merch sales, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the best thing you can do is just ask questions after you've hit a point where you realize that you think you can take this to the next level if that's what you want to be doing. Right. So I see that you're an angle amps guy. Mm-hmm. What, what do you got? They are currently, well, they were before the coronavirus outbreak. They were building me an E530 uh, tube preamp. So I was going to run that through my Rocktron Velocity 100 in a live scenario and have my head rush going through the effects loop of that as a uh, as kind of my outboard effects. But unfortunately, that's kind of come to a halt at the moment because of you know what's going on in the world. Um, yep. When that's all done and dusted they're going to get a hold of me and ship that to me from Germany. Super cool guys, very fun to work with. Um I became friends with their uh marketing director at uh, NAM because he's also a solo guitars artist. And I met him in a yep. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, Chris Schmidt is his name. And we uh, we talked for an hour and change and he said to me, you know, we're looking for young American artists because the few American artists that we have are all aging and they don't have the marketability that they used to have and I said well, dude, I'm playing 60, 70 shows a year. You know, yeah. you, you make my favorite amps. So yeah. let's see. If They're we, like, we, we can't find anybody to pay this top dollar for these amps. No, but. And, and you know, the thing is to, their amps are worth the money. Like, I mean. It is. Well, yeah. Absolutely. The angle, uh, what, you, what did you say you had a, uh, yeah. A hundred watt. hundred watt, a uh, fireball, right? Yep. Yep. A killer amp on on meal. Yep. I played the new. I, Savage 120 at NAM, and it's arguably the best amp I've ever heard in my life. 
Yeah, I don't know what it is, but like it's got the base, but like it doesn't lose the high end. They are mids. Tight. That's the best way I can describe an angle amp is they are tight. Yeah, plus yeah. they got the built-in noise gates. Yeah, they're outstanding amps. I think, in in my opinion, I mean, that was like, when I got that email from them that I had been accepted as an artist, that was like a dream come true. I was like, what? What? I mean, yeah, I, I was I was dumbstruck when they sent me that message. I mean, like, <laughs> I was like, I mean, you know, I've wanted one of these amps since I was, you know, a teenager. And, you know, of every single one of my favorite artists plays an angle. Almost every single one. Which one? Give uh, me, give me, give me a few. Luca Torelli uses a Powerball. Um, uh, the Powerball is the one I always heard the most about. Most of my favorite artists use that. Um, I have a couple guys I know that use the Savage. Um, I th- the Fireball I think is more in the death metal crowd as as is the Savage. The Powerball yeah. is ironically more for power metal. And oh really? I've, I didn't know that. Yeah, which is I I don't know I don't know if that's like truth or not, but I mean. You know, I think that it just seems like a lot of power metal artists use it. Um, you know, the ones that still do use tube amps. I, ideally, I'd like to get a tube amp, but I don't want to haul a 120 watt amp around when I go oh, on a three week long. My trip. shoulders hurting already. Yeah, exactly. You know, those things, those things ain't light. I, I, I carried a DSL 100 around on two tours, and I'd rather not do it again. Yeah, I have an XFX Ultra, but like. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't compare the two. No, like they're not, no, no not way. even close. No way. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my head rush to death, and I think it's in in my. I'm obviously biased when I say it, when I say that it's the best multi effects unit on the market. But I mean, like, you know, if, if somebody was gonna give me an angle Powerball model on that or offer me, a, you know, the two thousand dollar amp, I mean, duh. You know, well, which one's gonna sound better? But yeah, that's 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 my take on the matter i mean as as my partnership with them grows i'm gonna definitely be getting some of the big upgrades at least for studio work and whatnot you know as time goes on you know because i mean i being that i'm going to be going to nam every year i'm expecting to you know build build up going back to the marketability question build up with other companies apart from just angle even as time goes on you know every day i'm scoping out new companies to possibly work with well, I think the coolest thing about sponsorships with amps is like, so for an example, like when I got my Fireball, mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to play with that at Doug White Studio in Lockport, mm-hmm. and that was the only amp I could ever play. And oh. with a sponsorship, like for for an example, Orange, like I watched a vlog, and they shipped out like, I don't know, six amps to uh, one of Jared Jared Dine's buddies. Oh, and yeah. I don't know his name, but uh, yeah, he had like six amps. It's like, I, I'm going to like buy three of them, but I'm going to send the other three back. I'm like, how cool would that be? Yeah. That, oh, it's crazy. Well, you know, that's the thing. The, the one thing, and you know, I, I know I keep going back to the marketing thing. The one thing to do, Engel have been really cool about this because, I mean, obviously I don't want to play any other amps anyway. What I think is dangerous <laughs> exactly. is when you get into the guitar land of sponsorships. Now, Solar very open with their stuff with me ola england nicest guy you could ever hope to meet love him to death you know i spent quite a bit of time with him at nam and i mean and he was very friendly very open he knew who i was which really surprised me and um you know it's and he's very open about that i I could play whatever i want and i'd still be a solar artist and he wouldn't care however there's one 
I've heard a horror story about, and it's crazy. It's Kiesel, of all things. Oh, yeah. well, I, that's the thing, dude. Like, at, so Kiesel, Agile, mm-hmm. um, Strandberg. Like, I I want all those guitars, but I don't have an opportunity to play them. No, I don't go to I don't go to Nam. Sure. I don't, and they obviously don't sell them anywhere. No, not really. Strandbergs are wonderful. Um, I I really do like them. I I've played uh, Devon's a number of times and I've, I've really enjoyed it. Agile. Yeah. The same way. I, they're pretty open. The thing with Kiesel is though, they make great guitars, but they are horrendous to be sponsored by unless you are so beyond sold on their instruments that you'll never do anything else the rest of your life. So huh. I have Why a story. Have Why a, do you think so? Oh, I have a story about that. Cause I've heard oh. it firsthand from numerous people. Um, my friend, uh, Andy Gillian, who's in the band Moore's Principium Est, um, he was, he received an email from Jeff Kiesel two or three years ago saying that they were going to build him a guitar and he was already endorsed by EMG at the time. He still is, but they said, yeah, we don't want you to use that. We want you to just use our pickup. They're just as good. So not only do they, every single time you post an older video of yours where you're not playing a Kiesel, you have to have, add a disclaimer that you're indoor that you only play Kiesel guitars now. Uh, Not only that, but you can't use your own pickups. You have to use theirs. They don't even let you swap out the pickups in your guitar because they're so uh, insecure about their own builds. Well, I mean, like EMGs, you can't beat them. I mean, uh, yeah, you can obviously beat them, well, but like for for I what they know. can do. I mean, well. Uh, Obviously, I'm contractually obligated to disagree as a Seymour Duncan artist. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, EMG makes great stuff. I have 5766s for a long time in one of my guitars, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it's a, but, it just depends on what you're playing, to be honest with you. No, I've had Seymour's too. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, dude, like with the Kiesel thing, that turned me off that company forever. I, I'll yeah. never buy something from them. Never. I mean, like, if you try and treat your artists like that, yeah, like like a date that yeah. a date that you won't let you know, go. I, I, something crazy too. Jason Richardson. I'm sure you you know him. Yeah, I got and, his plugins. Oh yeah, his JST stuff. Oh dude, yeah, he's he's crazy. But I mean, like the thing is, Jeff Kiesel sent him a guitar once, and he said, "This is a really nice guitar. I really like it, but I want to stick with my music, man." Jeff forced uh, him to send the guitar back. Where he tried to, didn't just let him keep it. And then he began badmouthing Jason Richardson on social media, saying that he stole a guitar from him. Oh God! It's, yeah, I've actually never played a Kiesel in my whole life. They're 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 okay. I mean, they're all right. That's the best thing I can say about them. If I'm going to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, dude, I think Solars are ten times the instrument for half the price. Yeah, I, mean, I got to check them out. Oh, they're they're nothing touches them in their price range. I mean. I've got I've your- got an EVH Wolfgang. Like how does Those it compare? I like them a lot. How I mean, do, how's it compare to yours? So it's like an EVH. Um, so Wolfgang, those have a uh, the neck on a solar is wider, top to bottom. The right. thickness of the neck is about the same, maybe just a hair thinner, maybe just a hair. But so EVHs, the Wolfgangs, they remind me a lot of like um, kind of like the John Petrucci necks. Yeah, um, for sure. Because you know it's sort of like they're they're a, a thinner neck, 
but they're yes, for they're, sure. See, I, I prefer a wider neck with a thin with a thin uh, thickness, right? Like uh, the radius of like fourteen inches or so. Because when I'm doing sweep arpeggios, my hands spread out a lot, so I want that wideness. And right, yeah, jumbo frets, man. Yeah, it's uh, super jumbos, um, if if possible. But I mean, like, I, I want that because I don't like my hands getting kind of cramped together when I'm doing, you know, the more technical stuff. It's, it's a lot tougher to pull that off, you know, but I I would say a solar. Yeah. I mean, definitely check one out. They're very reasonably priced. I mean, if you get a B stock one, probably get them for five ish. Really? Oh yeah, dude. They're super cheap. Like my most expensive solar, that blue one you see in all my videos, that thing cost me 9.99 and that was my most expensive solar and it was in a limited edition group of 100 oh shoot yeah i'm just like what here's my question to you where would i be able to try one out though that's a good question that's the one thing is that you you can't really in the states because they don't sell them anywhere the thing is with those i mean they're like return policy if like by some crazy coincidence you didn't like it they're super cool about it but i mean like they, what I would say is that's, they're about as close to a sure thing as you can get, especially if you're a metal guy. Yeah. I mean, there's just, I, I was an Ibanez guy for years and years and years. I had my prestiges and my iron labels and my premiums, whatever. And I dumped all of them when I got with solar. I was just like, yeah, shipped them out. Can't play them anymore. And you know, I used to have, I used to have so many guitars when yeah, I was in like middle school and high school, like really crappy ones. Like, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know what it was. Like I would have a lot of guitars and I'd be like, yeah, man, I got five guitars, man. But they all sucked. Oh yeah. Like, they, were all- they, no. they were all like Jackson's that you could probably find for like a hundred bucks on oh, Facebook marketplace. The classic JS 22s. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, man. I mean, like there was a time when I had like 10 guitars. I mean, I have like eight now I have four yeah. stores and I've got, I've got a classical and I've got a seven a Jackson seven string. I got an Ibanez. I souped up for dreadneck stuff. And I mean, like, I don't know, man, I, I sold off most of my stuff that I just don't use, but yeah, I had, I think I topped out at like six or seven and mm-hmm. now I have like three. I, I see. I, I like to justify being in debt from buying guitars and stuff. So I'm like, well, it's my job. I, I can have as many as I want, but yeah. And, the, and then I look at my monthly payments. I'm like, Oh God, why did I do that? Yep. Yep. That's what I did with my, uh, I, I kind of got like a studio desk and like, a. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I finance a lot of studio crap, oh, studio monitors, here. Same uh, here. Same here. interface, stuff like that. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm in the same boat. Oh no, dude. I, thankfully a guitar center, I get studio desks for pretty cheap. Um, but it's a nice caveat of, uh, teaching there, but, um, Yeah. Overall, though, geez, I want a solid red herring with you. I think the moral of my story here is please don't try and become a Kiesel artist. But- ah, <laughs> so, do you collect vinyl and or CDs? I, I have a ridiculous power metal CD collection, but now that I am a normie and I have a modern car that doesn't have a CD player in it anymore, most of my listening is done via Spotify. Oh... Uh, yeah, I, well, yeah, you know, that's a whole conversation in itself. Yep, I mean, I, I, that's a good question, you know. So, 
hey, why not? I'll answer that. So, so this is the thing, man. You know, I hear a lot of people bellyaching a lot of the time. Well, oh, I make so much more money from selling a CD than I do from people streaming it on Spotify. You know what? The fact of the matter is you can complain about that all you want. This is the state of the industry now. You need to yeah. find a way to adapt. And right. the way to adapt Shirts, is by merchandise. Yes, that's one part of it. However, as an independent artist, that's where you're going to get it from. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a very good one. I mean, merchandise is a great one. And merchandise is cool. You know, who doesn't want to own a band shirt, man? You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it, owning a CD and a shirt are very similar things, honestly. And honestly, the profit margin from you buying a shirt from that band is probably going to make them, if they're independent and their label isn't taking a cut of the merch sales, that's going to make them arguably as much money as that CD would have, you know? And it's free promotion. Yes, you know? absolutely, dude. You know, I, I don't know. I think that's the way it is a lot of the time. Live music, not so much these days. Because, I mean, unless unless you're a really big band. Because, I mean, if you have a guarantee of, like, let's say, let's say you're a good touring act. And your guarantee is about 500 bucks for a, a month-long tour that sounds like a ton of money every single night right for playing an hour-long set or whatever now if you aren't supported by anybody who is getting you a rider or paying for your gas or paying for your lodgings you might come back from that tour with a hundred bucks a pop because you're splitting that between four or five people at least Yeah, exactly and yeah and then you gotta you gotta factor in you know, food on the way, yeah, gas, exactly. all that. Uh, all, all, the, all that the, the merch, the merch that you guys put money in before the tour and you didn't sell. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, exactly, man. And you know, this is the thing. That's why I don't mind being in the teaching industry of the of the music industry because I mean, you know what? I get to do what I what I am passionate about doing, and make money from it. You know, and yeah. you know, it, it it's obviously not impossible to make money in the music industry. The thing is is that all these people are like, well, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be the next Metallica or whatever. It, it, it doesn't work that way anymore, man. You know, apart from, what, a handful of bands total, metal bands, it's just you don't make that kind of money these days from that. And, and that's okay. You know, I don't mind making a modest living doing something I love doing. That's all, that's yeah. all right. You know, I don't, sure. I don't care about being a multi-millionaire from this stuff, man. If I get... Uh, 10,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. I would think that was the craziest thing ever. I would, I would go nuts in the best possible way. Cause I mean, you know, that's 10,000 people listening to your music, man. You know, yeah. m- maybe you make a hundred bucks from those streams in like a month or something, but yeah, literally like 50 bucks. Yeah, if, bucks. yeah, exactly. But I mean like the thing is though, I think the important thing is that if you're getting your message out there and people are enjoying it, ideally without the materialistic aspect of it with the money and whatnot, that really is what's important. I'm not going to try and sit here and say like, Oh, I don't care about money or whatever. Cause I mean, yes, ideally I would love to be a millionaire from the music industry. That'd be great. But, but it doesn't happen no, that way. And that's, it doesn't work that way anymore. The hard truth. Yeah. And, and that's okay. You know, I don't, I don't mind, but like, you know, you can either complain about the way streaming services are, not giving you as much money as you want or, Oh, I'm, I'm, it's not, it would have been better if I would have started my band in the eighties or whatever. 
or you can find a way to adapt, man. Yeah, you find a way. Yes. Dude, I think the biggest thing that I, when I started my band, um, that I benefited and we benefited from was like, I got really good at Photoshop and mm-hmm. video editing and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, I would have never done that stuff if it wasn't for the fact that like, when I reached out to people, they were like, yeah, 200 bucks, yeah, 100 exactly. bucks. No. And like, like, that's, that's one avenue I still need to get a lot better with is so. Photoshopping and whatnot. But I mean, that's, that's the next step for me. Now, thankfully, I have a lot of talented friends who are very, very uh, supportive and don't charge me too much. And like Dunlop, Dun, Dun, oh Dun, uh, Dunlop, yeah, like, like the picks. No, Dunlop from uh, he used to be in Crimson. Oh, Trevor Dunlop. Yeah, Trevor. Yeah. Um, Trevor, I haven't done anything through through him. I've been really impressed with his lyric videos, though. I know him. Um, yeah, because he, he does stuff in Erie, Pennsylvania, like lyric videos and stuff. Yeah, he does a really good job of it, too. So I'm actually an hour south of Erie is where I live. Nice. I, I live literally out in the middle of nowhere. But uh, but I, a lot of my work is done. Like my art guy is a guy named Zach Kubiak from up there who did a really, really good job with um, with the uh, artwork for my single in, in my album. He, he yeah. did all that. And I've, I've been really happy with that. And my friend, uh, Chad, Chad Anderson from Helium prime did all the mixing on that. He's out in uh, Utah and Utah, Utah. But, you got, you got Cal, you got a California drummer. Yeah. You got a dude mixing in Utah. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. Dude. Like I, uh, I, I was just, I don't know. I, I find weird friends from all over the place. My drummer is actually in a band called once human who were, uh, formed by the original guitarist of machine head. Oh uh, word. Yeah. Logan Mater. Um, they used to be my jam. Yeah, dude. When uh, I was in Brevira, we opened for them in 2017 and Dylan and I became really good friends and we just kept in touch for the next couple of years. And then we met up again at Nam, and he said, you know, I want to drum on this. And I was like, all yeah. right. Yeah. So <laughs> how did you actually, so you met the guy at Nam? Like I, I knew him before then, but okay. he and I, he and I had kept in touch for a long time and he, he likes my playing and I knew that he was a crazily good drummer and then he just offered to drum on the album. So I, I sent him the stems for, for the original mix of uh, planes of silence and he came back with the drums and I was like, Oh my God. You know, I knew this guy yeah. was good. I didn't know he was that good. Yeah, for and, sure. Oh, it's, uh, he's, he's a beast. I mean, you've heard it. Well, when you when you told me it was done on an electronic drum kit, um, I was like, "What? How? Oh, yeah, dude. yeah that, that's, how? That's, that's yeah. Like it sounds like a legitimate acoustic kit. Yeah, dude. He has a he's he's crazy. He has some really high end stuff. He's a talented guy. So mm-hmm. my last question to you would be: mm-hmm. um, As a listener, what makes you hooked to a band? That is a great question. Um, there, oh man, that's a tough one. What I, when I got hooked on my original big power metal bands, you know, and this is so cringy and such a basic answer, but a great chorus, man. You know, like yep. heard uh, when I heard the song "Dawn of Victory" by Rhapsody, that was what stuck for a while, and I mean, there's that. That's what hooks me with them and then 
now in the more modern days, um, in addition to that, and again, very typical answer from a guitarist is that when I hear a really good like neoclassical solo or whatever, um, I have a buddy named Christian Munzner who has a band called Eternity's End. He was in a Necrophagist for a- oh, dude. Yeah, he was he not Muhammad, but the other guitarist on Epitaph is uh, Christian. But yes. uh, he's a wonderful neoclassical player, really cool guy, unbelievable player. Um, I, I got really into his stuff because he uh, he plays a lot of the same kind of music that I like to play and listen to. And that's super weird. Yeah, and, and, and I eventually I got a hold of him. I was like, dude, this is like this is really good. And you know, we became buddies via social media. And I learned that he was a very passionate power metal guy and he loved bands like Rhapsody and all the, you know, neoclassical sweet picking, all, all, all the stuff that you see me do.